Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. I have sensed in the last few weeks that this message is one that can change the very fabric of our society, if we'll let it. But it takes an openness from each one of us. It takes a willingness to agree that this book is God's truth. That it can be trusted from cover to cover. You don't have to wince at different things. There's an explanation for most. I believe today that as we begin this uh, foundational truth study, Talking about the first being. Who was that? Adam. I believe that if we can get it in our spirit, that God the Son came to this earth to fulfill the prophecies, to fulfill what God said had to happen. Adam broke the law, Jesus fixed it. Adam sinned and brought death. Jesus came, died, and brought life. It doesn't make sense to us in the natural. But God understands all all the things about the universe. Amen? I want to just begin today reading from John chapter 1. This is the New Living Testament, I think pretty much throughout. In the beginning, when? In the beginning, the the Word already existed. Who is the Word? Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. Who is the Word? Wow. Are you guys as tired as I feel? (laughs) Who is the Word? All right. Let's get with it this morning. Because if you aren't cheering me on, then I'm going to be up here just going like this. Brother Gene, can you hear me down there, Brother Gene? See, he can't, he's, he's falling asleep down there because I wasn't excited. How many are excited about their faith? We have reason to be excited. This passage of Scripture says so much. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. See, I'm expecting you to participate. I'm not doing all the work this morning. I need some help. God created everything in the beginning through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. So when people start talking about all these other gods, there's no room for that according to the Word of God. Verse 4, the Word gave life to everything that was created And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the the darkness can never extinguish it. You know, we often feel like, oh, we're losing. We're losing. But let me tell you something. According to verse 5, we ain't losing. The devil's going to do all he can to buffet the church. He doesn't want us taking this message out. He wants us to stay within our little walls where we won't 
where we won't be sharing our testimony and people won't be getting saved. But that's not God's plan. Don't put the light under a bushel. Open that puppy up and shine it like the airport light. Because the light shines in the darkness, the darkness can never extinguish it. And that is God's word. Without Jesus, there would be no life. Jesus claimed this over and over and over again when he walked on this earth. He said, I am. And it just about got him stoned because the religious people of the day said, huh? But they didn't understand. They didn't use this to see him. They used this. They saw him as competition rather than their Savior, rather than the Messiah. What a shame. What a shame. But we will always have our critics, won't we? We will always have our critics. Like the Apostle Paul said, I shared this last week, I think, or the week before. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Hallelujah. What's the power? The cross. The Word of God is the power of God. As the Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Pretty much covers it all, doesn't it? Amen. We're done. No, I'm not done. You know me better than that. I recently preached a whole message on this topic of the Bible being truth. You can go back and listen to that. With that in mind, last week in Genesis 1, we spoke about how God spoke all. Say it with me. All. All of creation into existence. Nothing was left out. When God spoke, whatever He spoke came into existence. In the, in the Latin, it is ex nihilo. And it means out of nothing. God created everything out of nothing. Nobody else is like God. Nobody else can do the things that He's done. None of us really understands everything there is to know about God. But we can have a clue. We can glimpse, get a glimpse of who He is by studying His Word, by spending time with Him, by beginning to look more like Him. And that's His plan. Amen? He wants us to look like Him. That's what we see in Genesis chapter 1. God created everything. He spoke and light filled the darkness. God spoke and the heavens and the earth were created. Now this is contradictory to your science books, young people. And you have a choice. You can believe that or you can believe this, the Bible. And I'm hoping by the end of this series that you're going to have enough evidence, enough faith to say, you know what? I don't have to believe the billions of years story. I can believe God's story that in six days He created, created heaven and earth and all that is on it. The stars were placed in the sky and everything was very good. 
according to God. Hallelujah. It didn't happen over billions of years. As the evolutionists suggest, and I love it when my voice goes on me. <laughs> Preach it. <clears throat> we talked about yam, the Hebrew word for a 24-hour period. There was morning, there was evening, the first day. There was morning, there was evening, the second day. Do you get what I'm saying? God was clear about this process of creation. There's no room for billions of years. Would you mind standing with me one more time? When I study for these messages, I ask the Lord, what is it that you want the people to hear today? What is it that they need to know in order to be successful disciples, followers of Jesus? And sometimes it's a struggle for me to hear from the Lord because I know that there are certain topics the enemy wants to keep muffled. He doesn't want you to hear these things because he likes where you're at in a state of confusion. And I believe that's what evolution does is it causes a state of confusion. Because how can the Bible be true when it claims everything was created in six days and on the seventh he rested? How can that be true that the earth would only be oh, approximately six to 7,000 years old and yet science tells us, don't they have all the facts? Science tells us it's billions of years old. Dinosaurs were on the planet 65 million years ago. Ah, God, would you ask him this? Lord, show me the truth. I open my mind, my heart, my spirit. Pour into me today. Whether it's the message about creation or just your love, may I be filled today with a newness of joy. May I be filled today with the wisdom of heaven. And when we're done this morning, after Pastor Norm preaches a great message, I pray I'd be stronger in my faith. I commit my life to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we continue reading from Genesis chapter 2, I did want you to understand that there are some topics that we just will not have an answer for, right? There's some things that it, it's just either too, too big for us, too infinite in wisdom for us, only God can understand things, or we just don't know the answer. And it's okay to say, I don't know the answer. You know, don't ever be that Christian that, you know, I've got all the answers, because we don't. God's way bigger than us. I wish sometimes the scientists would be willing to say that. We don't have all the answers. But too often, they claim these things as fact, and I don't believe they are. I believe 
They're religious in nature, really, because it takes more faith to believe some of the things they're peddling than what I'm trying to teach you today from God's Word. On the other side of this, I hope I never come off like I'm being condescending, and and I, I have sensed already that I failed there. And if you're a scientific person, if, if you have studied evolution and you believe that there is room for that, hear me, my heart is not to beat you up week after week. My heart is to teach you what God's Word says. You can judge your faith, whether it's in evolution or the Bible, at the end of all this. But I just want you to know that I, I'm really not trying to sound like I'm, I'm just whooping on you. Because I know that that God would not be pleased with that. So forgive me if I've sounded like that up to this point. But I also believe that we need to speak the truth in love. That's That's a necessity, amen? So where did we come from? We're going to look at this in the book of Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And again, I have this up behind me if you want to read along. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And I know I read this last week. Actually, chapter 1 didn't conclude the seven days. This was kind of an an afterthought almost. I know God doesn't have an afterthought. It's just supposed to be there. But for us, because it fell into chapter 2, I wanted to start here just so we'd read the whole book today. Or the whole chapter, I'm sorry. On the seventh day, God had finished His work of creation. What did He finish? His work of creation. So He rested from all His work. Now, do you rest before you're finished with things? Okay, keep that in mind, because as we move along, there, there are some people who can test what this passage says and suggest that it's contradictory to God's Word, but I'll show you it is not. In verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when He rested from all the work of His creation. Now understand this, that there is a day that we are to call the Sabbath, a Sabbath rest. God showed us how important it was, and I believe that's why he did this. He wanted us to see that if you work seven days a week your whole life, it's going to kill you. You need to take a day off, brother, sister. Somehow, some way, you need to work this in. Whether it's Sunday or Monday or whatever day of the week you can fit into your schedule, you need a day off where you can rest, recharge your batteries, and I believe that God is showing us not just telling us this. Verse 4a, this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. This is the account of creation. So he just finished showing us what was created on day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Everything, all the little itemized things were in there. Keep that in mind now. Verse 4b, When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. The Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Kind of like dew. This word is sometimes translated mist. But somehow, the the waters came up from the earth. God was sitting in heaven one day when a scientist called out to him, Lord, we don't need you anymore. Science has finally figured out a way to create life out of nothing. 
In other words, we can do what you did in the beginning. Oh, really? Is that so? God replied. Do tell. Well, said the scientist, we figured out how to make dirt and form it into the shape of a man, and then we figured out how to breathe life into him. We can create a man just like you did. Well, that's very interesting. Why don't you show me how you do this? So the ancient, so the scientist bends down to the earth, starts molding the soil. Oh, no, 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 God said. Get your own dirt. <laughs> now, you may have heard that before, but I thought it was very fitting for what we're talking about here today. God created everything. We might be able to mold things and form things. We might be able to cross certain flowers and plants. But in the end, God started the whole process. All we're doing is being creative, taking those things that God made, and in their own kind, being able to duplicate some of that creativity as we see it on this earth. I have so many pictures, and I, I'm not showing any today, but in, in a future message, there are things that as I've looked at them, I've gone, oh my Lord, you are so awesome. The beautiful colors of certain things. This fish that I saw the other day at the bottom of the ocean, I'm going to show a little video of it, not this week, but I'm just sitting there looking at all the stuff going, it's so awesome. God, you, you did that for us. Do you realize that? He created this all for us. And what do we do? We take it for granted and say, yeah, it just kind of came into being billions of years ago. What does that do to God? Imagine that. You did all the work, and then these people, these, these little beings created in your image, you're saying, I don't think God did this. Oh. Forgive us. Forgive us. Verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. What? Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Do you realize that? Yeah. You know, he had created all the animals already out of the earth. He spoke them into existence. Something is different here with the man. He's a little higher tech, if you will, than the animals were. He reached down and he formed the man with his hands. And then, <laughs> this is the cool part, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Pretty cool. You try that. You know, I'm reminded of CPR when someone's heart stops. And they come to that person and they're able to bring them back, but that person had life before you put it back in them, though. God did it from the start. And every time one of those little babies begins to breathe, wah, wah, do they still do that, Doc? They still smack them on the behind? I don't think any of mine needed it. They were crying as soon as they shot out of that thing. It was awesome. I saw every one of my boys being born. 
I didn't care for what the, the leftovers, but I'm telling you what, that was a true miracle. And when you watch one of those little people coming out, how can you say that evolved? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting on my hobby horse again. Sorry about that. There's a difference between animals and man. When God gave life to the animals, it was from a distance. When he gave life to man, it was up close and personal. And he breathed his spirit into us. The word is the same word used for spirit that is related to, to his Holy Spirit and to the wind. It can be either one, but I trust here that certainly it is his Holy Spirit. Amen? Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. There he placed the man and he, that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees go, grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we'll get to this again in a minute. A river watered the garden and then it flowed out of Eden and it divided into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Kavila, where gold is found. And I'm trying to pronounce these properly, so I'm probably not doing a very good job. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onch stone are also found there. I've been watching that uh, gold Digging for gold or gold, whatever it is, the one where they go into all these mines all over the world and try to find different gems and diamonds. And man, I just I'm intrigued by it. That in the midst of all of that dirt, they find these little gemstones. Last week it was a black opal, and I'm telling you, it was awesome looking. And I just love that show. I don't know why. Maybe we're all treasure hunters at heart. But there was gold, there were all these stones that I'm sure these treasure hunters would like to find today. Verse 13, the second branch, called the Gihone, and I'm again trying to pronounce it right, flowed around the entire land of Cush. See, I always thought it was Cush. It's Cush. <laughs> it kind of has a nice ring to it. If I had another son, I'd call him Cush. I don't know. Third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Ashur. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. Then the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Some claim that this verse right here contradicts Scripture. Because according to the genealogy that's listed in Genesis, how long did Adam live? 930 years, according to Scripture. Now, they were in the garden for a number of years. We don't know exactly when they were booted out of the garden, but we assume it's somewhere around 100 years or so. So let's just say 800 years after sin is how long Adam lived. 
So the point that they try to make is, all right, God said he was going to die if he ate from the fruit, but he was still living another 800 years. How can that be? Scripture must be wrong. You guys are so smart. Romans 5.12 When Adam's sin, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. He died spiritually. That very minute, that second that he bit into that fruit, he died. Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. How many husbands in this room say amen to that? I would if my wife was here. Amen to that. You could tell her I said that. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Now, have you seen all the critters that walk this earth? You watch any of these shows? There's millions of different kinds. He did this in a day? That must have been one fast conveyor belt. All right, there's no time for you to dilly-dally here. You get in front of him and you keep going. Aardvark, beaver, hippopotamus. I mean, think of it. All these animals and he got to name them. According to Scripture in a day. Wow. I'm believing, I'm thinking that he must have had one huge cranium. Think about it. There was no sin yet, all right? God had just created him. Everything was perfect and pure. And he was tuned up and ready to go. No flaws. And he just starts rattling off the names. But here's the thing. When he got all done, he realized none of them were like me. The monkey wasn't like him. Nothing was like him. Hallelujah. Where was I? He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still, there was no helper for him. This word, helper, related to a husband and a wife, the two complete each other. And I'm telling you that I realize this in the natural because without my wife, part of me is missing. I was in here this morning while she's at home being sick and healing, hopefully, Brother Brian, catching a healing. And I, I'm in here this morning going, oh man, part of me's not here. Do, do, you, do you two feel that way, Sister? Brother Gene and Sister Carol, yeah. And the, the longer you live with somebody, the more that you realize they're a part of you. The two become one. Hallelujah. I don't get it, but God designed it, and that's the way it was supposed to be, and it works. So the Bible isn't contradicting itself here. Taken in context, chapter 2 is giving specifics about how God made man. 
This, this whole chapter is about how God made man and what happened next. The specific steps that we find in chapter 1, didn't, he didn't have to repeat them again because we'd already heard them. And when we started chapter 2, what did it say? It said, and all of creation was completed, right? God did it. It was good. It was very good. He didn't have to go back into this list and go back and describe every little part because some people claim, how did the animals end up after God? Because see verse 19, it says, the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds. Then he brought them to the man. See, this is where they say, Oh, well, that contradicts itself. But it doesn't. God's just showing us again that he did form all the animals, and then he's bringing them in front of him. They came before Adam, okay? We saw that in chapter 1. So don't get confused by this. It's just purely a matter of semantics, if you will. Another thing to note is that God surely would have known that none of the animals were right for Adam. He wouldn't have said, well, let's get a helpmate for him, and and we're going to find one with all these animals, because he already knew. Maybe he wanted Adam to see that. That none of them were like him. Only God was there when he breathed life into Adam. So don't get tripped up on this. It all comes together when you combine chapters 1 and 2. So after naming all the animals, as I said, even Adam recognized none of the other animals were of his kind. Now this next part, and I showed this last week. I don't agree with this, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there. In the Evidence Bible, it says after completing the mapping of a chimp's genome in 2005, evolutionary scientists have been claiming that man evolved from monkeys. But are we identical? The study showed that somewhere between 98, they began with this, 98-99% of the DNA of a chimp was identical to a man's. Later, that was reduced to 96%. So that meant that there was only 4% of the chimp that wasn't like us. Is that a big deal? That amounts to about 3 million pairs of DNA. Now, I don't know who counted them. It wasn't me. 3 billion, did I say million or billion? 3 billion pairs of of DNA. Have you guys learned this in school? Okay. This is what the scientists are saying, not me. All right? So there are three billion pairs. So what would 4% of that be? You <clears throat> super fast mathematicians. That's about 120 million pairs of DNA that were different. Is that a lot? But here's the kicker. <clears throat> here's the kicker. Humans have 23 chromosomes. Chimps have 24. Now that may not sound like a lot, but it'd be like sticking a square peg in a round hole. It isn't going to work. Are you hearing me? 
Are you hearing me? No matter how much alike we might appear. And there's the thing. If God created us all, we're going to be similar. The same master designer did everything. So don't, don't take this away from God. He created man. We didn't evolve into a monkey. I don't know why all of a sudden I had the monkey song in my head. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. It's the first time we have anesthesia. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening for surgery. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Now, before you go off on me, how come a woman's just a rib? Adam was just dirt. Come on. Don't be so critical. Just trying to think ahead. I love what he said. I love what Adam said. At last, he exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. You women are awesome. God knew what he was doing. Somebody said recently, why was Adam first and Eve second? And God said, because she would have tried to tell me what to do with Adam. <laughs> All right, here we got the stones coming at me now. I'm just, hey, come on. That wasn't my joke, I just repeated it, which I probably shouldn't have. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Again, I, I shared this uh, a week or two ago. From, this is where Jesus was quoted, quoting Scripture here, both in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You know, today, most people anyway, if they strip down to nothing, they're... they're they're hiding things, all right? There are a handful that might not feel that way, but most of us still have a little shame left in us. Adam and Eve had no shame because there was no sin yet. Everything was good. In fact, very good. <laughs> that was good. God said that, not me. Right? But I'm sure that these two, man and woman, were the epitome of a, a chiseled man and that hourglass woman. God created them. I'm sure they look good. Right? Whatever they look like. You know, I'm working on that myself. <clears throat> Keep working. Started working out Monday. I worked out three days this week. Yeah. I told some of the prayer partners this because I went in and had my blood pressure checked and it was 175 over 107. And I was like, I don't want to die yet. So I thought, you know, rather than going on the medicine, I better start doing something. And I'm working on it. Hopefully in a month or two you'll actually notice a difference. But 
hey, I'm proud of myself. I'm finally doing something. And believe it or not, my blood pressure is already down in a week. That's, I might add, I'm also eating a little better. <laughs> it's not just exercise, but whoo, yeah, anyway. What we can gather from chapters 1 and 2 is that everything God created was full-sized when he created them. The plants, the trees, the bushes, everything. The animals. He didn't make the egg and then have the egg hatch. He created the animal. How would, how would Adam have known what the animal was if it hadn't been? Brontosaurus. Right? Adam was full-sized. He wasn't a little baby. That would be weird. No, go and be fruitful and multiply. I don't think so. They were full-sized people. But we're supposed to believe through the evolutionary process that somewhere down the road... This little baby grew out of nothing. How did it raise itself? That's what I want to know. Or did it evolve into a full-sized human being? Hmm? Or did, did the monkeys raise them? I hadn't thought of that. That's pretty good. I don't know who raised the monkeys. God did. He had it all set up. I'm being critical again, sorry. If you believe that God created everything as the Bible claims He did, then how hard is it to believe that He set all the stars and the heavens in their present orbit? I love Psalm 8, 3, and 5, 3 to 5. When I look at the night sky, how many of you ever do this? How many ever go and look for the northern lights? My wife thought I was crazy when I did that. It was kind of fun, though. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are people that you should think about them? Mere mortals that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. God put the stars in the sky for us. God created us in His image. We did not evolve. He created us. He spoke us into existence from the dust of the earth, and He breathed His Spirit into us. And then the process began of multiplying. Hallelujah. The moon and the stars, God set them in place. Knowing God put them there, the distance between them, hear this part, knowing that God put them there, I believe it's was it the fourth day when he put the stars out there. The earth was already created, the sun was in its orbit, and then he poof in a day. Now, the problem the scientists have with this is that these things are 
billions of light years away from us. I get that. According to the second law of thermodynamics, these things are moving out. And if they're a billion light years away from us, or 13 and a half billion, whatever it is now that they've come up with, I think it was 14 and a half actually, that the furthest stars are from us, what they're claiming is we're not on a young earth. It's billions of years old. But what if? I'm just proposing this. What if, according to Scripture, God just went, and they were all placed where they are today? Would that have been too difficult for our God? Apparently not, because that's what he did. But you see, we add these billions of years using processes that we understand, natural laws, and I believe we're confused about this because according to the Scripture, God placed them there in a day. About 6,000 years ago. My feeling is that if we actually began to look at science in the created world around us with the thought that God created all of these things, it wouldn't be so hard to prove that they actually happened just as Scripture said. But the problem is, the atheist, the evolutionists, go in with a preconceived idea, a bias, if you will, so everything they try to prove is going to prove God doesn't exist. So their science is flawed. What the evolutionists are banking on is that there is no God and that everything has been moving according to the laws of thermodynamics. At the same rate that the stars were first formed. In other words, from the very beginning, it's been going out. And that's how they come up with this conclusion. There is no God. But here's my part of it. If there is a God... If he spoke the universe into existence, just as the scripture says he did, then their creation would have been instantaneous and they would have been placed right where God wanted them to be in that moment. Now hear this, Hebrews 11.3. Say this with me, will you? By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. How difficult is it to believe this? God commanded it, and it was there, right where they're at today. Hallelujah. If you believe the Bible is God's truth, then you don't have to buy into this belief system that the universe is billions of years old. Were the modern scientists there when it all began? But God was. And he tells us how he did it. In Genesis 1 and 2. If our scientists would take the blinders off and use modern technology without the bias that there is no God, there is no creator, then perhaps what we are seeing out there today would make sense. And then God would get the glory. 
for everything he's created. But the atheists and the evolutionists, they aren't going to see, at least not until they give their hearts to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is truth. As I begin to close, I thought it was interesting that when we started today, some of the conversation and the prayers kind of focused around discipleship, which I wasn't expecting Chelsea to bring that out, but our commission that Jesus gave us is to make disciples. We have to train our young people about the things of God. We need to send them out fully prepared to have an answer for all of these things that we're hearing and facing out there today. Whether it has to do with salvation, evolution, or whatever, we need to have an answer. Now we might not be able to adamantly say, this is the way it is, but we can certainly say, doesn't this at least have some possibilities? We need to teach our kids, our young people, our men and women, that there's another option. You've been believing option A because that's what they've taught you in school, that's what they're teaching you in the universities, but what about option B? What about the Bible? What about the Genesis story? Hallelujah. That's what we're trying to do here at The Hope is to train up our children in the way they should go. We're trying to train up our young people. We don't have to cower behind our beliefs. In fact, at times, I think we should be outright cocky about them. I'm a direct descendant of a monkey? Yeah, okay. Last week I talked about how the animals were vegetarian. And I wanted to conclude with this. In Genesis 9, right after the flood had, had uh, receded, after, this was Noah, of course, right after the flood had receded and the, the animals were coming out and populating the earth again. And we'll get into this story, by the way, soon. Don't think that this is a fairy tale. I'm telling you, it... You know what they're building right now down at uh, the Creation Science Museum? They're building a full-sized Noah's Ark. And it's right on the border of Kentucky and, uh, well, by Cincinnati, Ohio. It's going to be awesome. It's supposed to be done by July of this summer. I'm hoping to take some people down there. I just want to walk on it. Get to see how all these cool things we're put into place. And when we're all done, I know this is going to happen. When we're all done, we're going to go, wow, it is possible. It is possible. Genesis 9, 3 to 4. I have given them to you for food, meaning the animals, just as I have given you grain and vegetables, but you must never eat any meat that still has the white blood in it. So don't be going out there and biting into some wild thing. Kill it first. God gave them permission to eat meat. No longer would they be vegetarians. But, according to the prophet Isaiah, and this is the cool part, 
Adam was the first man, and he brought death. Jesus was the second Adam, and he brought us life. And he's going to show us what it could have been like when he establishes his kingdom on earth for that thousand-year reign. We call it the millennium. Let me read what the prophet Isaiah predicted would happen. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch, bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of wisdom, understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord will be in him. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor, make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. I'm telling you when he comes back. His enemies are going to shudder. You do not want to be one of them. The earth will shake at the force of the word, and the breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear a righteous like he will wear righteousness like a belt, truth like an undergarment. Here we go. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. <laughs> cool. The leopard will lie down with a baby goat. Now you kind of know today if that were to happen, they'd be lunch, right? The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. I love this last part. I put it in red. That wasn't supposed to be red. I did that. The lion will eat hay like a cow. This is what it's going to be like. This is the way it was in the beginning. The animals were vegetarians. Man was a vegetarian. We ate salads. Nothing wrong with a good salad. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with the people who know the Lord. Would you stand with me? Can we get a blast on that trumpet back there, brother? Because we're going to hear this soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you lift your praises up to him today? Glory to God. Glory to God. When the trump sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are still on the earth, who are alive, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's coming sooner than later. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready because only the righteous are going to live with God forever. The unrighteous, they're going to live forever, but not with the Lord. They're going to live in a place of torment. God didn't intend it to be a place of torment, but He has no place else to put them because the torment place is for Satan and his fallen angels. But we're going to be right there with Him if we don't honor God with our lives and obey Him. If we don't turn ourselves over to Him and accept what He did on the cross. We're dead and dying because of the curse of Adam. 
But Jesus prepared a way where there was no other way. And all we have to do is say, Lord God, forgive me for my sins and make me a new person. I choose life today. I choose you today. Hallelujah. And until you come back for this church, may I live for you. May I honor your word and be faithful to it. May I spread the good news of Jesus as the Great Commission tells us. Help us, Lord, this church to make disciples, to reach the lost. Lord, again, we call them out of the north, the south, the east, and the west. We call them out of their darkness and into your light because we know that your light is going to illuminate their sin, convict them, and hopefully they will then make a decision to follow after you, Jesus. And once you get a hold of them, by grace they are saved, not by their works. And at that point... All the blessings of God will be theirs. Would you bow your heads? We're in this place because of Jesus. He is the master. He is the ruler. He was there in the beginning. He was, he's here right now. And He's calling out to you. Come to Me, you who are carrying heavy burdens. For my burden is light, my yoke is easy. Call upon my name and you will be saved. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with Jesus. But I want to be. When that trumpet blows, when the angels blow it, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to go up with you or if I'm already in the grave, I want to be with you immediately in that moment. God, get a hold of me today. I want to confess my sin to you. If that's you, nobody looking around, would you just lift your hand up real quick? You need Jesus today. You know you do. And you don't want to leave here without making sure that you're ready to be with Him. Anybody in this room today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then I'm going to guess that means every single person in this room is saved. And that's awesome, but it says we are not doing our job. We need to invite the lost. We need to invite the unchurched to hear the good news. So let's do a better job of that. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank You again for the blood of Jesus. Thank You for our salvation that You've so freely given to us. We claim it for ourselves. We claim it for our families, Lord. For those lost loved ones that don't yet know You. God, I pray before they go on into eternity, they would have that opportunity, Lord, to be saved in Jesus' name. I pray for that prodigal son or daughter, Lord, that you would call them back in the name of Jesus. They know the truth. The truth set them free, but they've chosen to go back like a dog goes back to its vomit, Lord. Bring them out of that, that, that uh, blindness. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear the things of God. And may they hear your voice calling them home once again. Save them, Lord. We pray for our nation, Lord, that you would get a hold of our president, either this one or the next one, Lord, but that you would do a miracle with the nation of the United States of America. We need a miracle in this nation, Lord. We need you to move mightily in the politics of this nation. And we pray that God-fearing people would be put into that office, Lord.
that you'll clean house if need be, but whatever needs to happen, we pray revival would bust loose over this country. Maybe you're going to start it at Azusa Street on April the 9th. Whatever, Lord, that's your call. But I pray that a wave of the Holy Spirit, a last day calling, Lord, would just, the people would hear your voice saying, come to me, come to me. Don't die in your sins. I've made everything right. All you need to do is trust me. God, may they hear your voice. May the Holy Spirit be released upon this planet, Lord, like never before. We pray for revival. Start here with this church, Lord. <laughs> Start here with the church. God, move in us. I pray a blessing over everyone here today. May we recognize that blessing and not keep it all to ourselves. May we share the blessing. May we share the message of Christ with those who are lost and dying. May we not cling to it, but may we release it in Jesus' name. Keep us all safe in our coming and in our going. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said it. Amen. To God be the glory. I hope you have a great week. Next week, we're going to get into some more juicy tidbits that will prove creation is true. Hallelujah. Be blessed. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.